Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Glad to have this man back. He, of course, is the founder of the Warrior Defense Project uh, over at St. Mary's. It is uh, Lieutenant Colonel Jeffrey Atticott. Jeff, good to see you. Hey, Joe. Great. Uh, you, you know, I'm watching, and I, I don't know that much about the world. I try. I learn from people like you. It's why I have you on so much, and you're a cool guy. But um, when I hear that Iran did something and some drone did something and there's an Iran connection, why is it that Joe Biden said, let's go do something to Syria? Did, did I miss something? No, because uh, the we have we have small bases throughout the region. As you know, President Trump, when he crushed ISIS, he determined that we would not leave a large ground presence. But we do have some soldiers there, Rangers, Special Forces. And, and uh, so we have joint bases in Syria and yeah. Iraq. And so the Iranians, of course, their desire is to spread their tentacles out into Syria, out into Iraq as far as they can uh, to develop the greater Iranian influence, sphere of influence in the region. So they don't want us there. And from time to time, they attack our bases. There's, and this is another time that they've done it. Just to talk about what you've educated me on, I know that Iraq, Iran is Shia. I know that Iraq is, is Sunni. I know that Palestine, what would be Palestine is Sunni. What is, what is Syria, Shia or, or Sunni Muslim? Uh, it's a mixture of both. They have Kurds, of course, in the, in, in the, in the mixture as well. And Iran, the Iranians are, are primarily Shiites. Uh, the Iraqis actually are primarily Shiites as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, the Sunnis are the minority in Iraq. But, but Saddam Hussein so, was Sunni, so he ruled it like a Sunni as long as he yes, was in. Yes, he did. Okay. And he was very brutal towards the, uh, the, the Kurds and to the, uh, the Shiites. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a science project over there, and none of them like each other very much. But one thing they're unified in is they don't like foreigners on their soil. But we are there to keep the lid on. I mean, that's why we're there, to keep the lid on, to keep ISIS from reemerging and to show, you know, that, that we don't want the Iranians to take over Iraq. And that's what their ambition is. So uh, I think it's a good idea to leave a small footprint there. Yeah. And from time to time, we've been attacked. Our bases have been attacked under the Trump administration, uh, now under the Biden administration. And, of course, it's far more dangerous now because the Iranians, you know, have uh, said we're not dealing with any type of negotiations at all. Uh, must to the uh, actually, I'm glad that they did because yeah. we would enter into another terrible uh, uh, deal to allegedly stop their nuclear program. Um, they've got the materials now. Within a month, they could develop a nuclear weapon within 30 days. What do you think they would likely do with it? Would they would they use it on Iraq? They, I mean, using a nuclear weapon doesn't give you the land because you you can't even go if you use the nuclear weapon. No, it would not. They would not necessarily use it right off the bat, but it would give them uh, a greater influence in the region. It's about leverage. A lot of leverage because, uh, you know, the question is, will they use it? And then if we use, if we escalate force, then, you know, it's a far different story if you've got a country that has nuclear weapons as opposed to one that does not because yeah. the unintended consequences could be catastrophic. It's uh, Lieutenant Colonel Jeffrey Atticott. His new book is called Union Terror, Debunking the False Justifications for Union Terror Against Southern Civilians in the American Civil War. What an interesting topic. We'll get into that a, a little bit in a second. But I, I've never really understood the whole Syria connection. My parents in the late 1970s went to Italy, also went to Israel, then went to Syria, and it was all, uh, there were people walking around with machine guns in Syria back in the 70s. So this thing has been going on for at least 50 years, and I'm guessing a lot longer than that. What is the chief issue in Syria, and how do they find peace? Can they? Uh, well, no. I mean, there's never going to be peace, in my opinion. There's always going to be some conflict somewhere, just a matter of, of how large and what the level is. Uh, Assyria is a dictatorship run by Assad, uh, the father. Now the son, Assad, is in control. Uh, they had a civil war there. They also have many different factions within Syria to include 
uh, individuals that are very strongly pro-Kurd, and uh, they want to carve out part of Syria to develop Kurdistan. And that, of course, spills over into Turkey. So they have a lot of different ethnic groups that are vying for power in Syria. Uh, the country is in shambles right now, but you have very strong positions by certain groups that want to hold on to those things. Our basic goal is just to keep, as I said, the lid on. We just don't want this thing to blow up uh, once again to cause massive exodus of refugees and war and, and all the other uh, horrors that come with war. So, uh, you know, that's kind of where we're at right now. We want to keep some type of a status quo. The only people over there that really are aligned with us are the Kurds and the Israelis. And, and, and I'm, I'm surprised that the Kurds are because uh, I know that uh, George Herbert Walker Bush turned his back on the Kurds after uh, after leaving the Persian Gulf. It's Jeffrey yep. Atticott, Lieutenant Colonel Jeffrey Atticott. Uh, he's, uh, of course, the author of the book called Union Terror, Debunking the False Justifications for Union Terror Against Southern Civilians in the American Civil War. I lost you for a second there. I think we have you back. So yes. uh, when it comes to Syria, do we want Assad to stay in power? If he were if there, if he were to vacate, if they were to get him, what would that what would Syria look like then? Would it be a bigger mess? It would be a bigger mess. And see, that was a problem with the Obama administration. They were fixated on getting rid of Assad. Assad's got to go. Assad's got to go. And you would say, well, you know, what's your criteria? We just don't like him. Uh, and, and then, he, and then the he, made a, he made up this fictitious red line that really yeah. wasn't a red line. They kept on going over that. And nobody did anything about it. But, but he wanted Assad gone for what reason? Do we know? I, I can't figure it out. Because okay. uh, most I can say he's a bad guy. He's a dictator. But that's your criteria. That's half the world. Yeah. Uh, right. The criteria is, are you attacking the United States? Are you a threat to the United States? Have you indicated you want to attack the United States? Uh, Syria had done none of that. Assad had done none of that. True, he's a brutal dictator, but there's a lot of brutal dictators in the world. So, uh, And sometimes, again, if you get rid of one brutal dictator, that opens up a, a bigger can of worms, as we saw with Saddam Hussein. We used to have a, uh, you know, the Iraqis and the Iranians kind of kept each other in balance. Now, with Saddam gone, the Iranians are developing nuclear weapons. They're spreading out throughout the Middle East. And uh, so, again, it's, it's, it's a mess. And, and national security demands that we work from a position of strength. I think many people perceive that the Biden administration is not operating from a position of strength. They're kind of reacting. Uh, and they really, you know, uh, are hard-pressed to come up with a coherent national security strategy uh, that protects our interests, in my opinion. It is Lieutenant Colonel Jeffrey Atticott. Uh, he's the boss over at Warrior Defense Project. Go and check out everything they do. Look up Warrior Defense Project on Google. When when President Trump dropped those 56, 57 missiles on Syria, you and I applauded that. That was a very good move. How is this different? What is what is Biden doing? I know that that um, uh, Trump did it for a reason, and it was also a very good visual as he had Xi with him at Mar-a-Lago as he did it. Um, you know, from China. So China suddenly was was not not a bad actor at all for four years. But what's the difference between what he did and what Biden's doing now? What Trump did was about ISIS, right? What is what is Biden doing? Well, Trump did it for ISIS, but he also recall killed the number one state sponsor of terrorism is Iran, and their number one guy Soleimani. was Soleimani. Yeah, we took uh, we took aggressive action against him. We were not reacting. We had an opportunity to kill him. We killed him. Uh, the Iranians responded. We responded back. So. Uh, Trump took more of an aggressive approach when he had to. He used overwhelming force. This administration basically is on the defense, as we saw in Afghanistan, as we're seeing in 
uh, you know, in uh, Ukraine, as we're seeing in, in the Middle East, as we're seeing with the China spy balloons floating across our country. They're not Crazy. taking aggressive action, you know, when you should. They're kind of, you know, kind of hoping it all goes away. And, of course, uh, I, I'm fully supportive of the response when they kill one of our contractors, wounded five of our soldiers. We've got to respond. Yeah. It makes sense, but you're right. The whole vision of strength under Trump and weakness under Biden is really, it's stark. It's very obvious. So yes. let's go to Ukraine. You just mentioned Ukraine. Uh, she from China suggests a 12-point plan for peace in Ukraine. Jeff, the last thing I want to see is China come up with a peace plan in Ukraine because suddenly they've got leverage in Ukraine after we've sent as much as $200 billion there, according to Andy Biggs, uh, in machinery and in money. Why, why would we ever let China step into the fray here? Well, we shouldn't have. And, of course, the world events are not on our side right now. The winds are not blowing in our favor. Uh, one of the things that all American national security strategists have said for decades, never let the Chinese and the Russians buddy-buddy together. Uh, they're basically mutual enemies. <laughs> they, you know, they would stab each other in the back in a second if they could. Right. But now they're joining together, and many people would say, well, it was, it was our policies that forced this union uh, and this is very bad for our you know, position in the world because we don't want our two enemies now to join together because together they make a very powerful force that's, uh, that's going to push us off the world stage if we're not careful. Uh, and again, that's the goal, isn't Ukraine, it? Yeah, it's, it's very disturbing. And the Chinese, of course, are playing this uh, correctly. If you're looking at it from their position, this is a great opportunity for them to exert their power. It's all rooted back to the energy issue, really. Uh, the Russians have the energy. The Chinese want cheap energy, uh, and they're going to support the Russians and their quest to uh, carve off at least the eastern part of Ukraine and bring them back into Russia. And in turn, they will expect the Russians to support them when they move against Taiwan, when they make other aggressive moves in the region in the Asia Pacific. So it's uh, we're now fighting an enemy that's twice the size in the past, we could kind of set them against each other. We would take one on, take the other on. Those days are gone. So uh, there's no wedge anymore, and it's to our disadvantage. disadvantage. There's no question about that. Right. And again, as I said in your show, you know, last time you had me on, the narrative that we're winning in Ukraine is false. And you're seeing some news reports right now are talking about the Ukrainians no longer have volunteers to go in their military. Mm. Uh, they've been bled dry. When this war started, they had about maybe 250,000 soldiers. They've had low estimate 100,000 dead and wounded. My figures, 200,000 dead and wounded. Wow. And nobody replaced them. They're, they're, they're getting the old men and the young boys now. Nobody's volunteering. They're going to have to go out to the streets and round up whatever able-bodied males they can find to fill the ranks because the Russians, are. their strategy is to use our artillery advantage and to decimate them. It's kind of like Grant versus Lee in our American Civil War. Yeah. They're just going to bleed them to death. And early on, about a month in, there was a peace plan that was on the table. Biden said he didn't want to talk about it. And yeah. I guess there was another one recently that they also ignored. And now, as I said, China's coming up with a peace plan. Jeff, hindsight is always twenty twenty. But in hindsight, would you, would you have taken the sit down early on to see if we can avoid this? Absolutely. I mean, I'm not a you know, warmonger. If we've got, you know, the Russians have some uh, grievances. And if you peel back the onion, the Ukrainians have treated the Russians in their country very badly for a very long time. So before Russia invaded, uh, I mean, tens of thousands of people were being killed in these breakaway regions. They wanted to go to Russia. So this is not something that's, you know, out of whole cloth that, oh, where did this come from? This yeah. has been boiling for a long time. Uh, I'm always for negotiations if we can get a good deal. But if we wait too much longer, uh, 
there will be the Ukrainian military left to present a, a, a position where they can negotiate. Uh, Now is the time to negotiate when the Ukrainians still have some uh, capabilities that are still left to, for them to use. I, I hope the answer is no, but do you see a scenario where we would ever send our troops? I, I hope not. I mean, we I mean, learned the lesson in Vietnam, didn't we? Well, we should have learned the lesson in Vietnam. We should have learned it in uh, Afghanistan. We should have left right after we destroyed the Taliban. Right. Uh, President Bush wanted to leave, but a lot of people said, oh, no, if you break it, you own it. you got to stay there. you got to develop a democracy. Uh, it's a bridge too far. Yeah. And so we don't need to get into a border dispute because basically, you know, that's what you have right now. Uh, Ukraine is not a member of NATO. So I feel for the Ukrainians. But I think if you really believe in peace and stop the suffering for the Ukrainian people, it's time to negotiate some type of a settlement that all sides can live with. Jeff, is there a reason you can tell us Lieutenant Colonel Jeffrey Atticutt? Look him up on Amazon, get all of his books, and his latest book is, uh, is Union Terror. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, is this a, a situation where you can see Russia going in and just taking Ukraine? It's like, it's ours now. And why are we doing so much more than, than Western Europe is doing? Shouldn't the European countries all get together and say, okay, we should be the ones to defend Ukraine. It's right here. Yeah, I, I agree on both points. And so, yeah, we have a, uh, we have a situation, of course, that's very reminiscent of, of uh, Bosnia. Uh, I was in Bosnia, and our, that was a question back then. Why are we doing this? This is in the backyard of Europe. Uh, and it's true. We're su- supplying the lion's share of financial assistance to the Ukrainians, not just the military. Half of our money is going to the pension plans, the bureau- bureaucrats, the social programs yeah. uh, for the people of Ukraine. We're actually, it's a 51st state right now. I mean, we're, all of our dollars are going into there. Uh, and again, we, we're Many people are complaining because there's no accountability for where the dollars are actually going. I've been to Ukraine eight times, anecdotal evidence, but a lot of those dollars are not going where they're supposed to be going. Of course they're not. And and Zelensky is very, very rich. And and Jeff, if we have even one homeless veteran in this country, we shouldn't send a dime anywhere else until we take care of that man or woman. It's just that simple. Lieutenant Colonel Jeffrey Atticott, uh, go check out the Warrior Defense Project. The new book is Union Terror, Debunking the False Justifications for Union Terror Against Southern Civilians in the American Civil War. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm a guy who's glad that the Civil War went the way that it went because it made us a stronger nation and got rid of slavery. But I've also been on record saying, had the South just abolished slavery, they might have won because states' rights are very, very important. And that's really what the Civil War was about. It wasn't really about slavery. It was about states having individual rights away from the federal government. Um, having said all of that, I didn't know about terrorism that the Union was was per, um, perpetrating against the, the South. Were they doing it during the Civil War, before, after? What, what is this? Yeah, this is what the book's about. It, it's, it's called Debunking the Justification. So the bottom line is, I agree with you. I mean, I'm glad this, that the war ended the way it did. I, I believe in Providence, and right. uh, so did Robert E. Lee. I mean, he was wholly satisfied, and I started out with a quote from him. He said, I'm wholly satisfied the war turned out the way it did. I didn't fly for slavery. Uh, you know, uh, so that issue I kind of put aside. The book is really concentrated on the war itself. Right. In the last two years of the war, the Lincoln administration adopted a policy of terrorizing innocent civilians and they were black southerners and white southerners so the book covers things that most people will not cover because it's a verboten topic uh but well, i well, go ter- into ter- terrorize in what way what was he doing well they yeah so you're right is, i'm 56 and right. i've never heard about this yeah yeah so the union adopted a thing called the Lieber code during the war signed by president lincoln and in the Lieber code it says you cannot target you cannot destroy civilian homes you can't kill them you can't destroy their property right. uh their cows their chickens and stuff like that last two years of the war were not going too well lincoln authorized and grant and sherman and other 
top generals executed. So, for example, with Sherman, who was the chief proponent of this terrorism, and terrorism, of course, is a tactic where you target civilians with fear and violence, yes. illegal violence. Right. He spread out his army from Atlanta. He marched to Savannah, Georgia, 60,000 soldiers, spread them out into two wings. There were no Confederate soldiers there to resist him, just the empty homes. Uh, well, they're not empty. They're homes of the women and the children. Vast majority did not own slaves. He spread out his army. He gave them uh, the wink and the nod to go in and forage liberally. And they basically burned down uh, all the homes they came to, killed all the animals, the pets. The, they robbed people of their possessions. So you're seeing starving women and children, again, black and white Southerners, uh, in the wake of this march across uh, a 30-day march. They pillaged, they burned, uh, and accounts of rape and murder. Are Why do you think that we haven't heard about this before? Is it because the victory, uh, the victory gets to write history? Whore. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the you know, the United States uh, of America was successful in winning this particular war. And of course, when you win the war, you're not going to be held accountable. Right. Uh, no union general was ever held accountable for these. And these are war crimes. That's what I present in the book. Uh, again, I agree with you. Uh, it's not a, a brief for, uh, you know, but it's not a brief for the Southern Confederacy. It's right. simply looking at the law of war. Why is that important? Because we're seeing that right now in Ukraine where the Russians say the end justifies the means, we're the good guys, we can do whatever we want to do. Uh, that's not what the law of war is all about. Interestingly, I, I, I have a retired two-star general gave me a magazine he picked up, dated 1944 from Nazi Germany. On the cover of it is a picture of General Grant. And the Nazis wow. talk about what the, what the Union forces did to innocent Southern civilians as a justification for what they're doing. That's crazy. So these are lessons we can't forget. Well, I'm glad. Listen, it's true history, and I trust everything that you write. Go get this book, Union Terror, Debunking the False Justifications for Union Terror Against Southern Civilians, The American Civil War, written by Lieutenant Colonel Jeffrey Attica. Jeff, thanks a million. Yes, thanks, Joe. All right, brother. We're back after this. Stay right here. Joe Pags. Always great information from uh, Lieutenant Colonel Jeffrey Atticott. Make sure you go and find the Warrior Defense Project. It does great work for uh, for those who are in the military now or those who are out of the military who are getting a, a legal problem. And his book is called Union Terror. Go look for that over on Amazon. Uh, great stuff. Information I did not know about and that you're going to want to find out about as well. 888-941-PAGS, JoePags.com. Another big hour coming your way. Go to JoePags.com. Click on Watch Now. Back after this. You're listening to Joe Pags. <laughs> 